Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 169. Uh, 168 will be coming. A little technical difficulties last night, but the smart and savvy guy I am. No, I completely forgot, guys. But there was a backup recorder that I have on the computer, so it picked everything up. I'll have the Emory Hunt episode up tonight. We'll probably have Marcus by the morning. We're getting Jeff Risden in later tonight, guys. Everybody wants to kind of, you know, you want to get your takes in because combine's coming, so you want to have those pre-combine takes in. So we're going to get that done here. We're going to talk some wide receivers tonight. My man Marcus uh, Mosher. Uh, obviously, if anybody from the Lockdown Network, obviously, if you listen to the uh, Lockdown Cowboys, you know Marcus Well does a fantastic job over there, uh, doing some fantastic work right now with Pro Football Weekly. So, uh, you know, you, you want to learn, you want to see some good stuff, you want to see some great draft stuff. Marcus has got you covered over there. Marcus, my man, how's everything going? Uh, you know, what you got in the hopper these days, bud? Jeff, how you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm just getting excited for the uh, the combine. This is kind of our slow time, right? And once we get to the combine, then our then our takes will pick up a little bit. Well, now you have some validity to them, and you want to know what that guy is as fast as I told you he is, or all of a sudden you can search somebody's timeline and be like, man, this guy ain't spoke about this dude in three weeks. Hmm, what happened there? Right. But you know, it's, it's you know, and this is pretty much all we got now. You know, I don't put much faith in pro days. No, you know, except for maybe the smaller kids who didn't get the invite. But this is kind sure. of what we got right now. You know, I don't. Yeah, think we're gonna... a... Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. No, no, it's all right. Go ahead. I, it's just it's a fun time now because now we're grinding our film, and then once we get to the combine, we're gonna throw away all of our evaluations. We're gonna we're gonna look at these <laughs> new guys <laughs> that <laughs> perform well. It, it's always a great time of the year. I, I love. February and March. It's it's the best time of year for draft nicks like us. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell a quick story about this. Uh, Byron Jones, years ago, I spoke to him in late September of his last year in Connecticut, and you know we talked a little bit, you know, off air, you know, a couple times before the show, a couple times after the show, and he he told me what he was testing at, and I was just like, and I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute, none of this makes a drop of sense. Human beings don't do this. So they don't jump yeah. 11 feet. Yes, Mar- and Byron Jones. Yeah, and it, it, there was even the story of you know his agent kind of told somebody he's like, oh, if we don't do over 11, right before he jumped, he's like, if we don't do over 11 feet, we're not going to be happy. And the guy looked at me, he's like, what are you nuts? And then obviously, you know, 11-3, <laughs> I think was a number, and I was just like, wow, that kid was not lying one iota. And obviously, you know, nope. Byron Jones went from a guy people kind of knew about who had you know so, uh, shoulder surgery that kind of ended his senior year. To oh my God, we have an absolute freak, and obviously you know him well, Marcus. Obviously, as you cover him every week, and it's uh, turned out to be a nice little run here for Byron Jones at this point. But it, it, it Byron Jones is always kind of I, I go back to is, is that that is what a combine can do for somebody, and if there's anybody it did it for, it's a guy like Byron Jones. Now, Marcus, when I have any of my guys on here for the first time, and look, we're going to talk draft. I said we're going to hit the wide receiver position, but look. Positional-wise, everybody's always got their guys that they're going to go to bat for. Who were some of Marcus's guys that, you know, if you're going to field, you know, when it's three, four guys and that's it, you're going into the foxhole with them, give us some names here. Yeah, so we'll, we'll stick with the trend of receivers, and I'll give you two. Uh, the first guy is, it seems like a guy a lot of people are starting to come around on, and that's DJ Moore of Maryland, uh, a guy that just absolutely dominated, dominated at Maryland. Uh, their passing attack was dreadful, but he was a star on that offense. Um, he was the only receiver in this class 
to have a 50% team yardage share. He had a 50 per, 57% uh, receiving touchdown share for, for Maryland. Uh, he can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. He can play in the backfield. He can beat press. He can he can win down the field. Um, his hands are incredible. Uh, I'm curious to see how he tests out. He's only a 20, I think he's 20 and a half years old. So one of the youngest receivers in the entire class. I'm interested to see how he tests out. If he can run in the uh, high 4.4s, low 4.5s, I think we have to start considering him a real potential first-round pick. And the other guy is one that I kind of stumbled on on accident. Um, anybody <laughs> who knows me it, it knows that I am a Big Ten hater. I, I hate watching Big Ten football. It's this is this especially is, Pet State. This is funny because this is this is me and you to a T. And like I've always used yeah. the joke, like, oh yeah, that's great that you all love your North faces and your Uggs. You want to know what? Let me get down there to Southern Florida. Let me see all those teams play. This is something I've been guilty of exactly. for years. So, one of my students, I, I'm a, I'm a high school history teacher. One of my students is going to Penn State this year um, for a recruit, and he told me uh, a few years ago there's this receiver that I need to check out. And the last couple of years, I've been just kind of pushing it to the side. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. This is your buddy. I'm not going to watch your buddy. Um, and then I was watching Saquon Barkley, and this receiver just kept making plays all over the field. Um, and that's Deshaun Hamilton, who went to the Shrine game, had a fantastic Shrine week, went to the Senior Bowl. Um, I can argue that he might have been the best receiver at the Shrine or at the Senior Bowl outside of James Washington. Um, this is a guy that created a big play on more than 25% of his targets at Penn State. Uh, he had 13 plays this year of at least 25 yards. I mean, just an incredible player that knows how to run routes. Um, I think he's a guy that probably should go sometime on day two. We'll see where he ends up, but this is a guy that I absolutely want on my football team. Uh, the thing with Hamilton, and it's actually kind of funny you brought him up, because uh, I had a couple guys on who were at Shrine Week and who were at Senior Bowl Week. And they were like, you know what, Shrine Week, he looked pretty good. And now normally you'd think you would dominate Shrine Week and you'd go put up a good showing at Senior Bowl Week. But I don't know sure. whether a light went on or he just got that much more confident You know, once he got out of you know his comfort zone of, you know what, I'm just going to do my thing. And it was actually James Coburn. He's like, I saw him in Tampa. He says, and now I saw him here in Mobile. He says, I, I almost wanted to like wonder if they're like if they were twins. Like, did he have a twin brother or something? He said, because he came in a mobile, confident, cocky, and was just flooring people in routes. You know, making guys look stupid, crazy, silly. And look, and that's that's what you love to see with this. And that's you know, we have the film, but these guys are going to rise when they get in these opportunities. And uh, you know, if I remember correctly, he wasn't even supposed to go to Senior Bowl from jump, was he? No, he wasn't at all. Yeah, he, he got called up because of shrine. Yep. Because of Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller got knocked out. He ended up coming up and taking his spot. That's right. He was that filler and, you know, took the opportunity and ran with it. Uh, guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns episode 169. Uh, guys, we're not far away. Uh, you know, uh, first games are on Friday as far as Major League Baseball spring training. Locked On MLB is almost completely up and running. I know, you know, Locked On Reds is up. I know Locked On Cubs, Locked On Yankees. Uh, whatever your team is, uh, you know, get excited. Jump on the Locked On MLB Network. They're going to have you covered by opening day. So by all means, you know, whatever you're looking for, go ahead and start sniffing it out because the shows will be coming soon. So you know, keep an eye out for them. Now we're going to go a little bit deeper here. Now I know Marcus. You know, obviously you were huge into Mr. DJ Moore, and I, I can't fault with you. And kind of what I said to you when we started the show is, 
when I see a really, really bad team and you see just one guy, like it almost doesn't belong. And that's kind of what you know, DJ Moore, it was the vibe you get when you see it. Um, I know some guys, you know, and I've seen you talk with some guys, you know, as, you know, over, you know, evaluating players. Some guys are questioning the top end speed. I'm not too concerned because I think he might be a guy who is fast, but maybe even quicker than he is fast, which is going to suffice. Uh, you know, sure. I said maybe he's the Tavon Austin that we were hoping for, and you're not going to put that draft grade on him that Tavon Austin got. But look, those guys. I mean, it's it's so in vogue now. I mean, you either have your big, you know catch point, you know, small forward types that ended up on a football field, or you have your quick underneath guys, and, you know, that's exactly indicative of what this class is. So, uh, give you know, one through five, I know more is in there for you, you know, give us your top dog and work a little bit down. All right, so we're going to go ahead with the assumption that all of these guys are healthy because it's hard to judge like a guy like Anthony Miller who we don't really know what's the status of his foot. He put something up the other day. I mean, the footwork looked pretty good. If that video was was pretty much live, I mean, it looked good. And from the outside, we don't have all the information about how these guys are healthy, so we can only go by what we have on film. So let's go through my top five just based on the film that I watched. Uh, Number one is Calvin Ridley. Um, I know there's been a little bit of pushback on Ridley because of his age, and I'm an age elitist. Um, but when I watch Calvin Ridley, nothing he does is spectacular, but he does everything very, very well. Um, I think he's probably the best route runner in this class. Uh, I watched the All-22 of Georgia, the Georgia game, just a couple days ago. He should have had 200 yards in that game if they had a competent quarterback. Um, I think he, his fit in the NFL is going to be extremely important. I hope he can get with a quarterback. Uh, that is that is used to um, you know three five seven step drops and can get the ball out quick and get the ball to Ridley in spaces where he can make plays after the catch um, I, I think teams are a little bit nervous not teams excuse me draft people are a little bit nervous as to what he might be in the NFL but I see him as somebody who can have a Reggie Wayne type career if he gets in the right situation I agree with you there and the thing with Ridley uh, with Ridley and yes, sometimes the age could be an issue. If he were in the 2014 class where you had all them young pups of Mike Evans and Cooks and Sammy Watkins and Odell Beckham and these guys were, you know, would have had two years on him. But I think in this class, it's not going to hurt Ridley because his game is no. it, it's above. So he's he should get a pass on it, even if age is an issue for you. I think, I, I don't want to say he's going to struggle. But I think he's going to have to deal, there's going to be some difficulties, and I kind of thought this a little bit about Mike Thomas, and, you know, Michael Thomas just blew it out of the water, because the, you know, passing around him was so inferior to the quarterback play, you do wonder if it's going to take a little while for him to catch up to playing with NFL caliber quarterbacks, but as far as, like you said, you know, the run after the catch, and what I see with him that impresses me the most is... His route running, as good as it is and as solid as it is, the hands are always in catch position. The head turns with the hands. Yep. He's got the hands in triangle position. He's ready to go up. He's ready to go low. I think he's an easy fit. I, I think you're guessing whether or not somebody could be a true wide receiver one from this class, but I have zero doubts about Calvin Ridley being a true wide receiver two for anybody that drafts him. And I'll, I'll add real quick on Ridley. I've been saying my favorite spot for him to go is Baltimore. 
Um, and I know some people are thinking, well, why Baltimore? They don't have an elite quarterback, Sarjo Flacco. But I actually <laughs> think his game fits well with Flacco because Ridley can be a deep receiver if you need him to be. But he's also a guy that can create a ton of separation um, in the short to intermediate part of the field. And we've seen over the years that when, when Flacco has a guy that can create quick separation, even if they're older players, they normally play pretty well with them. I'm thinking of Steve Smith a couple of years ago. Even Steve Smith in his mid-30s was able to create enough separation that Flacco could get him the ball. I would love Ridley in that situation. I think he would thrive with the Ravens and Joe Flacco. It's, and it's a spot where you know he can come in, and there are other guys that maybe they hope are going to do something, but he walks sure. right in, and is there anybody else there you know, who's proven they're a 75 to 80 reception guy? And there's not. No, it, no, absolutely. And I think I think Mike Wallace would be a good compliment to him because he, if he, if Wallace is the number two receiver, he can take out the top off the defense. Um, they've got some other receivers there, Michael Campanero, who can play the slot. I, I just think that makes a lot of sense from a skill set and where he probably should go in the draft. And let's keep in mind, if we're talking about Ozzie Newsom, he's going to go out. Yeah, with Alabama. Last draft, he's going to go out with at least one or two more Bama guys. So. Of course he is. Yeah, you're definitely going to go out showing your colors there. All right, move on down to number two for us, Marcus. Uh, number two is DJ Moore, and we've talked about DJ Moore a lot. I I'm curious to see where he ends up in the draft. Uh, I think teams are going to be a little bit nervous about that size. I think they're going to wonder a little bit if he can actually be an outside receiver in the NFL. I think he can. My guess is he's off the board somewhere in the top 40 picks. Yeah, I mean, because there's a lot of talk, and uh, I know Pete Smith, I know my Cleveland guys, you know, they look at yes. 33, 35. That's a, a name they want to put in there. And it's it's weird, and it, it's it's weird for Cleveland because if everything goes right, wide receiver shouldn't be a huge priority. But in the same respect, though, you have two. Well, you have a major question mark, obviously, with Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman. Now you've had two seasons, and both seasons, you know, had a long stretch of injury for both years. So it does help that you have twelve draft picks because a lot of times you say, well, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Josh Gordon's going to toe the line. But you can get decent insurance policies because you have the 12 picks for Cleveland. So he's a name I kind of have charted. And for me, if I'm Cleveland, I'm going to find some way this offseason to get two. Because I need some Josh Gordon insurance. I need some Corey Coleman insurance. And because when they went down, and look, whether it was Deshaun Kaiser, or if it's Deshaun Kaiser, or it's another quarterback at one, you can't be putting young quarterbacks out there. And every week they're looking to the left and the right on Sundays. And it's a different wide receiver, whether it was Kenny Britt, Sammy Coates, Bryce Treggs, Ricardo Lewis, Rashard Higgins. You need guys around them that these guys are used to. So I do think with 12 picks, a bunch of cap space, wide receiver should be a priority for Cleveland moving forward. Uh, so, you, yeah, I mean, you guys, you see DJ Moore, he's a guy wasn't getting much talk. I'd say almost, almost even maybe six weeks ago. But now Marcus, and I know a bunch of other guys, he rounds out a top five for guys at the wide receiver position. Uh, Marcus, Marcus tricking all on down on number three. Number three is Anthony Miller, and you can convince me that Miller should be ahead of DJ Moore because anytime you turn on the film of Anthony Miller, nobody can cover him. So it's pretty hard to be a, uh, a bad receiver if nobody can cover you. Uh, this year in 2017, he led the nation in red zone touchdowns with 11. I know he's only five foot, what do you think, probably five foot 10, 190 pounds. But, man, he has a lot of Antonio Brown vibes to his game. He can play on the outside. He has absolutely no problem speeding press. He can play in the slot. Um, 
He can make plays down the field. Uh, on the short routes, he's basically basically unguardable. Um, the only question mark I have about him is, is he going to be, be able to stay healthy? Because other than that, there's really no flaws in this game. Uh, every, every now and then, he'll double catch some passes, um, and his hand technique is spotty. But in terms of route running and getting open and being able to separate and run past guys after the, after the catch, he's one of the best in this class. Uh, if you want to go on production, obviously, so what he did, you know, destroyed his competition, you know, UCLA game, everyone he played against, you know, the numbers were big when he was healthy. Uh, you know, size will be a question as long as he's healthy and he can give a full combine. And yes, again, here's another guy who is a little bit older, but the age isn't going to really come into factor so much, I think, this year, just nope. the way it is, because it's not a top-heavy class. And when your elite guys, you know, aren't that young, it's an advantage for these other guys. And, you know, we all see the wide receiver turnover in the NFL. If there's one position I can kind of understand, maybe where you're going to you know, let age not be a factor, it's wide receiver. Because if he plays well enough, maybe you can't afford him. Or, you know, if he burns out quickly, there's always wide receivers. You just go get another one. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to cover up. You know, if you have a miss on a wide receiver, as long as it's, you know, obviously not a top 10 pick. Sorry, Kevin White and Chicago Bears, you know, guys like that. Can I, real quick, two points. Um, the first is, I think Anthony Miller and DJ Moore would be fantastic picks for the Browns for a few different reasons. It provides you that Corey Coleman insurance, but it also gives you a guy that can play both on the outside and in the slots. So you can move those guys all around. Josh Gordon is your deep threat receiver. Let those two young kids work underneath. Um, and one real, real quick on Anthony Miller. I'm not so concerned about his age because for the last two seasons, even before 2017, uh, he was producing, you know, in 2016, he caught 95 passes for 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. So it's not like this is a guy that just broke out this year um, in his age 23 season. Anthony Miller's been productive from the moment he got to Memphis. Oh, he's, he's you know, he, he, the production is 100% not the question. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest question maybe people have right now is the health and look as far as the senior bowl this this is going to become more and more of the norm because agents i've talked to they value the combine a lot more than they value the senior bowl it's sure. it's the way it is you know maybe the senior bowl one day is going to have to adapt the way they do things as great as you know an event as as it is you know in you know byron jones classic example you can jump yourself two, three rounds at the Combine. It's it's a lot more difficult to do that at the Senior Bowl. Uh, so that was, uh, was that, that was three or that was four? That was three. That, that was, was three. three, yep. All right, uh, let's go, Marcus, number four. Number four and five are really close. And we'll kind of, we can lump these two together because I think depending on who you ask, these guys are going to have different rankings. Uh, number four for me is James Washington of Oklahoma State. And number five is Michael Gallup of Colorado State. Uh, we'll start with James Washington. This is a guy that probably should have came out last year. Uh, a, a super productive receiver at Oklahoma State. We haven't seen a guy that is this refined in terms of being able to make plays down the field in a long time. Uh, he had 24 receptions of over 20 yards this season. Uh, we've seen him play against some of the best cornerbacks in the nation. Uh, he beat up on my Chidobia Wuzier last year uh, when they played Colorado. Um, I am a little concerned about some of the route running stuff, but at the Senior Bowl, we saw an improvement 
um, compared to what we saw during the regular season. I still have some issues with him getting off a of press um, and that kind of stuff, but this guy has some of the strongest hands and wrists and fingers that you will ever see. He's amazing when it comes to tracking the ball in the air. I'm curious to see how he's going to test out uh, because this is a – I was talking with Ian Kenyon today uh, about his size and his build, and we haven't seen somebody like – James Washington come into the league in a long time. Somebody who is five foot eleven, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, we don't really have a comp for him, so I'm curious to see what he runs at the combine. Um, and I, I just love his game. If you're looking for a guy that can make plays down the field, and then Michael Gallup, uh, one of the most productive receivers in the country this year. He had the third most receptions in in college football with a hundred. Um, like DJ Moore, he was Colorado State's entire passing offense. Uh, everybody knew the ball was going to Michael Gallup uh, uh, kind of like Ridley doesn't have any uh, one elite trait but everything he does is very very solid he does it very well he's a very consistent receiver and for a team uh, you know like my Dallas Cowboys that are looking for a little bit bigger number two receiver who can block who can get down the field I think Michael Gallup makes a lot of sense in the second or third round uh, first of all with Washington and this is always funny you know because you know they start the senior bowl with the measurements, and for me, you know, if your listed size is, you know, I mean, I'll understand an inch, but he was two inches and in change, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a real interesting week for James Washington, you know, because here was a guy everyone looks at, man, this guy is a ridiculously good vertical threat. So, oh no, he, he measured in. This is what he measured in at, and then you started seeing the one-on-ones, you started seeing the individual drills, the team drills. And you saw the footwork, and you saw him taking some defensive backs to school. And the first thing that came to my mind was, well, I think maybe Oklahoma State, with their theory of we're going to throw you four to five YOLO balls a game, I think maybe they misused him. I don't think maybe they realized exactly uh, what they, they truly did. had in James Washington. Because as great as he was deep, James Washington was doing surgery on shorter routes. Um, you know, like you said, obviously, you know, the press coverage is going to be something that's going to have to. In the Big 12, I, it's such a, you know, everybody likes to use the NASCAR package. I think the Big 12 is NASCAR football. It's just 100 million miles an hour. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we had, when the scoreboard explodes, we had more points than you did is the style they play down there. But uh, he put together a phenomenal week, and the first glimpse of it for me was, oh, man, this could be bad. Gallup, I think, is a guy that you're going to look at who may be, a more smarter, more intelligent guy than he's ever going to be athletically. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly how to run his routes. He knows exactly how to find open space. You know, some people want to critique the Alabama game and say, oh, well, he wasn't able to get deep against these guys. Well, I mean, he still put up, you know, I think it was eight for almost 90 yards. And it's Alabama. There's and, a lot of receivers they did that too yes, this year. Yes, but he put up eight receptions for 90 yards when you know the game plan going in was, we're going to cover the living daylights out of Michael Gallup because there's not much else here. Yep. But still, what put a you know performance together like that? And I do agree with you. He's a guy that should no problem you know be a solid number two wide receiver in Michael Gallup. Uh, guys, uh, there's a show locked on Cowboys. Uh, my buddy Marcus over there does a fantastic job. Go ahead, check out Marcus in the show. Uh, you know, as you know, a little bit of a down year. You know, the Ezekiel Elliott suspension obviously curtailed things. You know, uh, you know, Dak Prescott year two, but look, the NFC East. Uh, everybody's going to look to step up their game here now. Uh, nobody expects to be chasing down a Super Bowl champion in the Philadelphia Eagles, but NFC East: Dallas Cowboys, Giants, Washington Redskins. 
Uh, everybody's going to have their eyes on the prize there and uh, you know wanting to knock off the Kings. So check out Locked On Cowboys and Marcus Mosier does a fantastic job over there. So Marcus, we're going to move a little deeper here. You know, are you fully deep? Uh, can I get some Auden Tate thoughts? And I noticed, and I noticed, Cortland Sutton didn't come in in that top five either. All right, so which one do you want to talk about first, Auden Tate or Cortland Sutton? Go ahead with Mr. I Sutton. Know, I, I was gonna say I know you have some takes on Auden Tate. I, I, I see your timeline. I, I see you talking about him. Um, all right, let's talk about Cortland Sutton. Um, Sutton. <laughs> Sutton's a guy that's going to be really interesting to me because I I want to see how he runs first at the combine before I really give a deep assessment on him. And I never do this. I, I never change my thought on what a receiver is after the combine. But I think after Laquan Trebwell, I get a little bit nervous about these bigger receivers that don't really separate. Um, and, and that was Sutton at SMU. All, I just we did, all learned a lesson I, from Mr. Treadwell. Yeah. I, I just didn't see a guy that created consistently, especially on the short, shorter to intermediate routes. SMU basically used Sutton as a deep receiver. He had nine receptions this year of over 30 yards. Uh, he had 22 receptions over 20 yards. They used him in a lot of the same ways that Oklahoma State used James Washington. Um, I, I don't always think Sutton plays as big as his size suggests, so it's going to make me nervous if, if Sutton runs in the you know upper four fives or low four sixes. Four sixes, I'll be out probably on him. But if he runs in the you know low or the high four fours, low four fives, we might need to have a different conversation about what he could be because. It, in terms of his college film, he doesn't look all that different than what Alshon Jeffrey looked like at South Carolina. I'm just going to be curious to see uh, what kind of athlete Cortland Sutton is. Um, I won't name the name, but um, I do have some connections to the University of Connecticut program. My high school has you know, sent players there for years. Uh, they played SMU this year. You know, Sutton played pretty well. So I threw a mm -hmm. message out to one of those guys, and I was like, well, Cortland Sutton, and you know the message I got back is it's like wow uh, I got to be honest with you if that guy was an NFL receiver I'm really really confused I'm sorry if that guy is an NFL first round pick I'm really really confused it, it just it seems you know what I see is I see it almost seems like he glides I don't know if he really runs um, and I forget who it was when you know Sutton turned down the Senior Bowl and if somebody had to tweet out and I know it made the rounds was. Well, if you're not fast and you can't separate, you probably shouldn't go to Mobile. It was something to that extent, which you know, kind That's of correct. Yeah. which rang some bells for me. And you know, they say he's six four and change. I, 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 I want to see a height on him because we'll I see. think it's I think it's going to be closer to six three than it's going to be closer to six four. Because you know, keep in mind the conference he plays in. You know, there are no six foot two and change cornerbacks in that conference. So it's going to be interesting how that works out. Uh, now we'll we'll shift on down to Tallahassee. I got a couple other guys we want to talk about. The first thing I'm going to preface is I think the entire balloon for Florida State and any guy who's in this draft just busted when DeAndre Francois went down. That was it. It was over. I think everybody was everybody who had draft aspirations said I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm healthy. You know, come January, we'll just get through this and you know hope for the best bowl we can get. And this is it. Yeah, and man, Tate's a tough one for me because I don't see the quickness 
or a guy at 225 pounds that's going to be able to separate consistently enough in the short part of the field. Now, is he going to be able to win above his head consistently? Yeah, it's it's what he does best. He's, he plays to his size. Um, he does a pretty good job of setting up his defenders. I think his route running is a little bit better than what people want to give him credit for. But I'm just I'm I'm concerned about his play speed and his quickness. If if he can't create consistent separation, and he's a guy that's always going to have to win these jump ball uh, 50-50 passes, what is he at the next level? Is he a lesser version of Calvin Benjamin? I I don't know. You you tell me. You're you're the odd and take guy. What I do see, and it's actually funny, is because I wasn't sure. And then when the Browns hired Todd Haley to be the offensive coordinator, now obviously, look, you know, we know Martavius Bryant is fast. There's no doubting that. But I think you know the way he was used in that Pittsburgh offense, you know, as an afterthought almost, and just every now and then, you know, we're going to need this Yolo ball, and I have good enough guys underneath that you can't ignore them, that I'm going to get him sure. in positions where he can, if it's one on one, you're. In tr- I, I mean, I don't know exactly who you can trust in the NFL if it's one-on-one safety-wise to handle Auden Tate. Because as tall as he is, everything is a hands catcher. And this is stuff you see with Sutton. A lot of times the ball drops into the basket. Well, if you're a bigger guy, that's not supposed to be your calling card. And that is what with Auden Tate does well. The body, as big as it is, it adjusts well in air to the ball. Everything's a hands catch. If you use him in that type of role, and you're saying, well, you know, I have Josh Gordon, I've got Corey Coleman, I've got guys like in Najoku, I've got a Duke Johnson. Every one of these guys brings a lot to the table. What are you going to do when I've got Auden Tate splitting the hash marks or I'm sending Auden Tate deep? I, look, the testing is going to be, it's probably going to be bigger than it needs to be for Auden Tate because you do not have the product, production to show it. But you look, I mean, you know, NC State, he dropped 180 yards in about 21 minutes, left the game mid-second quarter, probably would have dropped 250 without batting an eye. You go to the Boston College game last year, and this is when Francois was just hitting his stride. Um, When uh, Baltimore, a couple years ago, when they won the Super Bowl, they were feasting with Anquan Bolden, you know, in the red zone, running that route where they were just going to throw it to the crossbar, Anquan Bolden was going to beat everybody and catch the ball. There's nobody that's going to defense Auden Tate in that role. I, I do think as long as the testing numbers don't come back, you know, alarming, and people do want to compare him to Benjamin, Benjamin ran a 4.62. There's no way in the years I've been watching that, that Auden Tate is going to be slower than, than the numbers Benjamin put up. I'd be astounded if that happened. So I think there's a role for him. Look, he's never going to be a 90 reception guy. I think he could have a you know a, a low 60s, north of 900 type of guy if everything goes perfectly. Uh, Let me ask you is, this. Right? Let me and, ask you this. And can just 21. Can he play in a slot? Can he play in a slot and be in the red an oversized slot? In the red okay. zone? And that, that at least gives him a fallback if he can't consistently win outside. Because I do think, I, I think the NFL is going to eventually learn that having these big slot guys is beneficial and put your quicker guys in the outside, have more in-breaking routes where those guys can get the ball on the move and run. Use your big slot guys to give you big targets in the middle of the field. I think that might be where Auden Tate's future is at. You, you can, you, we've seen with Larry Fitzgerald and 
Marquise Colston, and even Cooper Cup last year was a six foot three slot receiver. I, I, I'm not sure that's a bad spot for Auden Tate at all. You know, and the other thing though is is, is it's tough because everybody wants to kind of pigeonhole. Nobody wants this. Everybody wants you know. Look, I, I want every look I put down on third down to be different. I, I don't want you know. I mean, sure. unless you're Tom Brady and the Patriots and you can just do what you want. But I mean, you look at it. You know, I look at it from the Browns' perspective. You know, Gordon can work from the slot. Corey Coleman played a power slot position at Baylor. You need to diversify. You need to keep defenses guessing. And, you know, he's going to have to do that. And he can do it in the red zone. There are signs of him doing it. You know, the touchdown against Florida, he was, you know, on the, you know, closer to the hash marks, more inside. He ran to the back of the end zone. There was nothing Florida could do about it because he's six foot four. He's got a vertical jump that's going to be 37, 38 inches. The arms are probably 33 and change, and there's just nothing you can do about it because those guys don't play defensive back. Um, I do want to get to one other guy here. Actually, I'm going to give two here. Uh, Christian Kirk, uh, noticeably not brought up. And he won't be happy about that because I know Christian Kirk is checking out Twitter. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's been checking out my Twitter because he, he's been upset with me the last couple days because uh, I'm a little worried. Listen. He is probably just a slot receiver in the NFL, and I don't think that's as big of a negative as it was five years ago. Uh, I think the NFL, like I said, is transitioning to where the slot receiver might be your number one receiver here Jar- in the next Lance, few years. Jarvis Landry just got a franchise tag. Absolutely. He's, he's going to get paid $16 million to be that slot receiver. Uh, my concern with Kirk is most of the coverage that he saw this year was off coverage where he had a lot of room to operate, uh, never went against press, hardly ever lined up in the outside. Um, I didn't see a guy with elite speed. I, I didn't see a guy that's going to run in the four threes. I think he has good enough speed. I think he's going to be in the four fours. Uh, but I don't think this is a extremely dynamic receiver. And if I'm going to take a receiver who is going to play the slot, I would just rather have a guy like Anthony Miller who who was proven that he can run every single route. He's proven he can beat press. And DJ Moore who has proven he can play on the outside. Um, I, I think Kirk in the right role can be a pretty dynamic player. He's just not somebody that I would take in the top five. But again, I, it, you're kind of splitting hairs with some of these receivers. I kind of expect, um, you know, probably what eight receivers to come off the board in the top 75, maybe even more than that. Um, I think Kirk will probably end up somewhere in the top 50. Uh, just, just not my guy. If that makes sense. No, I, you know, and look, it's always that way. Like sometimes you, you know, you're not gonna if, if you didn't see it. You're not going to see it because somebody told you to see it. Um, and I, I, I've had guys on here that think Kirk is going to run extremely well. I'm kind of more on your side. I think he's fast enough. But I, I don't think, you know, we're, we're going to see a 40 time that's going to make everybody just hold back, you know, and, and do basically the NBA slam dunk with Shaq holding everybody back with the woes. I don't think we're going to get one of those 40s. Four, four, yeah, four, four, five ish. Which is what you're going to expect from a guy, you know. Which is what you're going to expect. It's fine. It's fine. But he's not going to astound you to the fact that you know he's going to get first round consideration. And yes, our buddy Mister Kuiper, he's had an interesting week. I'm assuming he, you know, went down to Westwood, spent a lot of time with Jim Mora before Jim Mora got canned, because um, he is hot and heavy on the UCLA love. Uh, Jordan Lastly, and I'll tell you right now, I, I like him. I like his game. I think if I'm a team that seriously wants Josh Rosen and does end up with Josh Rosen, I think 
round four or five, I'm going to find a way to get Jordan Lastly because I think those two have a sync and it really works. But the number two overall wide receiver in this class, that's a head scratcher. Yeah, so actually yesterday was my first experience experience watching Lastly, and it's because of that reason. It's because of Kuiper's ranking. So I went back and I tried to grind through every single uh, tape uh, that I had available of Lastly. And I was impressed. This is a guy who consistently made big plays. Um, he's a young receiver. I think he he's another one of these guys that I think can play in the slot if you need him to. Um, uh, productive. However, um, <laughs> as However. I was watching, as I was watching the tape, I had two different people who I, I trust a lot who told me, "Listen, this guy has a lot of problems in the locker room. Uh, he was arrested twice." teammates do not say good things about him coaches do not vouch for him uh so you you might want to tone down your love on jordan lasso so uh, i'm still investigating that one a little bit the tape is good i would not say it's top five worthy i wouldn't even say it's probably in the top eight um but he's a really good player um and i guess we'll probably i'm sure we'll hear after the combine once you know people start talking about how some of these interviews win um we'll hear more about jordan lastly yeah, but I mean, look, the player himself, yeah, it's nice. And, you know, you'd like to keep that together because, and, and one thing that's probably is a positive for Lastly, as much as there is bad stuff, if you can excel with a guy that people think, you know, to a man is the most talented quarterback in this class, sure, that's, you know, that's a that's a positive for you. But, you know, like the can stuff I, you Can I add one thing real quick? Right. I don't know, understand why we don't see more of these quarterback receivers being drafted to the same team. So, like last year. I thought the Bears should have absolutely saved a pick in the third or fourth round to draft Ryan Switzer with um, Mitchell Trubisky. Like that makes total sense. Give the, the a young quarterback a guy that he's familiar with that he can walk into camp and say, "Hey, I know what this guy is going to do. I have faith that he's going to be at this spot at this down." Uh, I, I'm just curious why we don't see more of that type of drafting together. And actually, to counterpoint that, which I do think is great, because a lot of times. What you get with the with these guys is, you know, whether a guy struggles or not, or you do it right out the box, is, you know what, we sat him down, and, you know, we looked a little bit of his college film, and we tried to find some things that he was comfortable with. Well, if this is the route you're going, you know, why not get in front of it and get on it from get-go? If, you know, sure. well, you know, we want to strip some things down and get him in a better spot. We had that opportunity, and, you know, for me, it, it, it makes, it just makes sense. And even, you know, wherever Rosen goes, if, if Lastly comes in and maybe he's your fourth wide receiver, look, it's real quick before any wide receiver jumps up one spot, two spot, whether it's injuries or whatever happens. But what's going to make things easier is when these two can just look at each other and already know what's going on and can adapt on Absolutely. the fly if they have to. So, you know, that was great that you brought that up. Uh, Marcus, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you know, tell everybody where to check you out at. Obviously, you know, uh, Pro Football Weekly, guys, uh, you know, The Daily Show, Locked On Cowboys. I know Marcus isn't putting as much out show-wise as we are over here at Locked On Browns, but it's been draft mode for us guys since October. So, you know, hey, we're just hitting it's our true. stride here. You know, Marcus, you know, maybe you know, the combine, you need to finalize, check those boxes, get it all taken off. But, I mean, you know, I don't know what we're going to do when we actually start playing football again on Locked On Browns. But, Marcus, go ahead. Tell everybody where to check you out. Yeah, I'm at Twitter, at Marcus underscore Mosier, at Pro Football Weekly. I have a big receiver scouting report coming out uh, late Thursday, early Friday. It's the most important stat for the top 10 receivers of this class. 
Also, you can look at my stuff on Locked On Cowboys and Daily Mock Draft, where we do a new seven-round Cowboys mock draft every single day. It's actually you know, that's actually turned out to be a lot of fun. Actually, it's like the perfect thing that goes with my cup of coffee in the morning. You know, doing the Jets one over there. Stephen obviously was not going to give me the Browns one, but it is. It's you know, it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's simple, and it's crazy though. A lot of people are interested, and in, you know, I always want to give Stephen a plug with this. And what it is is, and some people there is a little backlash. There's always a little backlash, but so many people know the top twenty guys in the draft. They don't yes. know anything after that. Or you get the guys who, you know, maybe an Ohio State alumni. So they want to see where, you know, the, the 12 guys in this year's class end up. So we're having a lot of fun over there with that. But, uh, guys, again, the support you guys are giving me is outstanding. Uh, Jeff Risen going to join us here a little later this evening. Uh, got a huge guest tomorrow. I'm able to uh, sneak myself into NFL Network, start reeling over a couple of guests from there. See, you Browns fans are going to love that one tomorrow. So appreciate everything. This was Locked On Browns, episode 169. Guys, follow the show on the Twitter account, at Locked On Browns. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Appreciate you all. Let's go Browns.